Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. I want to invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 10. Go all the way to the end of the chapter, verses 40 through 42. Just a few verses this morning. Um, We started last week our summer series, Feasting on the Word. We're just taking some time to walk through portions of Scripture. These are all coming out of what's called the the Book of Common Prayers, lectionary readings for each week. And this is something that uh, the church around the world uses as just a rhythm of, of reading Scripture each week and each day. And so we're just kind of jumping into that. And so this is Scripture that's being reflected on by the global church as we speak throughout the week, which is really cool. There's always a, a gospel, Old Testament, a New Testament writing, and a psalm. And, and so we're just picking one of those out for the week throughout the summer to, to reflect on. But it's just cool. As we, as we go through this, think about the fact that this isn't just like a random set of passages we're going through. Um, this is something that the global church is spending time thinking on, praying through this week, meditating on. Um, you're joining with, with millions of people around the world reflecting on these very passages this week, which is really cool. Um, so, uh, so that's what we're doing in this. And I wanted to talk to you about this passage from Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. And we'll read it in just a minute. Um, but I, I just wanted to frame it this way. This is going to be a really simple, simple word this morning. How many of you have uh, barbecues you're headed to? This afternoon, anyone? A couple of you. You guys don't have great social lives, I guess. That's, that's fine if that's you. Um, some of you, maybe how many of you were out last night, maybe? There were a lot of fireworks. We could see like five different fireworks shows from Greenwood Lake. I know there were some people at Awasting, some people in Lakeside, there's some people all over the place. It was a great, great, great time wherever you were watching fireworks from. But just one thing I was thinking about yesterday as we were just connecting with a bunch of different people from our neighborhood and community, um, all of you at different parties and things like that, something I've just been thinking about in this summer season is you and I get invited into a lot of spaces in the summertime especially um, where you get to just mix and mingle with people from your neighborhood, maybe from extended family, friends that you don't normally get time to slow down and connect with. Um, And there's usually a lot of great opportunity to connect with people who don't know Jesus. Do you find that to be true or is that just me? Anyone? I would encourage you, if you're only ever hanging out with Christians at cookouts, you need to go find some new cookouts to be at. Uh, because we are supposed to be what Jesus describes as the salt and the light of the, of the world. Uh, it's it's the, the, the people that are bringing some life and some flavor and some preservation into the world. And so you got to be out there mixing it up with every single person you can find because you are shining the light of Jesus and the love of Jesus in those spaces. But when you're in those spaces, I just want to give you a little bit of a prompt. This is a little different than I normally do, but it's 4th of July weekend. It's a little bit relaxed. I want you to turn to a couple people around you. And, and I want you to just answer this question. Thinking about the July 4th weekend parties you'll be at, summer barbecues or cookouts you'll be at, and just, just ask this question. What could it look like, or have you even ever considered what it could look like to represent Jesus in those spaces? Go ahead and just take a minute. Turn to someone around you. I know. Introduce yourself if you haven't met them yet. 
say hi, and just real quick, answer that question. Just take, we're only going to take about a minute. So give your answer as quick as you can. Real quick, just answer that question. What could that look like to represent Jesus? Or if you're like, I don't. It, I don't, I've never thought of that. Just be honest. Give an honest answer. I don't want a churchy answer. Don't tell me what I want to hear or what they should hear, want to hear. What do you honestly think about that? All right, I'm going to guess that you all have amazing answers because it's gotten quiet. But go ahead. Shout out to me. What are, what are some things, what could it look like, if at all, if you've even considered it, what could it look like to represent Jesus in those spaces? Someone shout it out. Like really practical things he's done. Yep. Cool. What else? Wow. Not, not just like tell them what you think they want to hear you mean, right? Yeah, just, just hear their story, hear where they're coming from. Love that. What else? Say it one more time. I'm, I'm sorry, the air conditioners are making it hard for me to hear. You've lost friends representing Jesus, you're saying. Yeah. What else? Yeah. You can say crap. I know that was I know that's what you were gonna say. Shut <laughs> all the you, What else? Showing people the love of Jesus. What else? Not I have some thoughts on that, but this is not the Sunday for that for that sermon. Go ahead. What else? Praying over people. What else? What else? Two more. Genuine interest in what they're saying. That's good. Yeah. Service. Yeah. Love that. Total acceptance for who they are. Yeah. Good. I love that. Yeah, a lot of different ways that we think that we can represent Jesus. Um, and so what I want to do this morning in just a few minutes is 
We're going to read this scripture because this scripture passage is at the very end of Jesus preparing his disciples to go represent him. They're about to go out, and, and they're, this is one of the first times they're sent out in Matthew. And he's sending them out, and he's explaining what they're going to do. He's preparing them. I've trained you. Here's the whole situation. And he's going to send them out. And right before he sends them out, he says these words to them. So let's read this together in Matthew 10, verse 40. It says this, anyone who receives you receives me. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. So let's just take a minute to pray as we get into this this morning. Jesus, we, we do uh, just accept and, and affirm that part of following you means that you are sending us to our neighbors and to our nations, to people all over the place, to share with them the love that you have shown to us, to, to declare the good news that you are alive and that you are the Lord of the world. And so, Lord, we just pray this morning that you would help us to uh, see how you see things as we are being sent, that we can see the reality that you see as you send each of us into the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So, kind of like you might be sent to a party or feel like you're sent to your workplace or sent to your neighborhood, wherever you are, Jesus sent, as I said, his disciples out. And he was preparing them. And what I just read was at the very, very end of his whole set of instructions to them as he's sending them out. So just a little bit of context, but here's, here's the big idea that I wanna get across to you today and that we need to grab from this, this truth. It's simply this, that God is with you when he sends you. God is with you when he sends you. So if you are sent, if you are out there, if you're following him, you're sent. This is, this is the name of the game. God is with you. Every workplace situation you're in, every family conflict, every neighborhood conflict, every party or cookout or thing that you are uh, in, a, in, in a position to be in, you are there with Jesus representing Jesus, representing Jesus. And God is with you. He does not leave you in that. So here's, here's just a little bit of the context of how we get to that big truth. And I just want to unpack a couple of principles around that truth that God is with us. Um, here's this idea that's happening is that the disciples are being sent just like you and I are sent. Uh, and, and here's what it means to be sent by Jesus. According to, he's like, I'm going to send you out. And then he gives all of these instructions. So essentially what the one, one commentator, uh, dis, distills this whole set of instructions down to is being sent has a purity about it in the sense that you do not have any other agenda except what Jesus has instructed you to do. Now, how many of you know, not all of you, but you know people who have agendas when, when they're being sent. 
Some of us maybe, okay, let's be honest, we have agendas sometimes when we're being sent. We really want them to get the love of Jesus, and we really hate the way they do that one thing, and hopefully Jesus can get them fixed from that. It sounds like a little more about like what we want to happen in the person's life than maybe the Spirit of God wants to happen in the person's life. Anyone honestly ever been there where you're like, I really want Jesus to fix them? And what you really mean is, I really want to fix them. I want to take control of their life. And so it's really important that we recognize what it looks like to be sent by Jesus and not be sent by our agenda. Very, very important. And a lot more of our agenda, our natural inclinations gets in there sometimes and we realize. So it's worth reflecting and taking stock on and asking Jesus like, Lord, what of this is me and what of this is you? Because if it's me, it needs to die. But if it's you, you need to bring this to life even more in my life. So these instructions essentially boil down to this thing. We have to let go of all of our personal agenda, what we want to prove to people, even what we want to prove to be true about the Bible or about God. Listen, God's a big boy. He doesn't need us to prove that he's real and that he's working in the world. So if that's the truth, then, then we can really take that pressure off of us and that agenda off of us, and we can just reflect the truth that Jesus is alive in how we live our lives instead of trying to prove that he's alive. Does that make sense to you? Are you with me? Nod your head something. Give me, give me some. You can talk to me. You can talk to me. It's good. This includes things like, you know, sometimes being sent. He describes the situation here about uh, you, you can't love your father and your mother more than you love me. You're not worthy of being mine. You can't love your son or daughter more than me. You're not worthy of being mine. Now, that's harsh. That, that sounds like intense. How many of you love your families, like legitimately? And, and what he's saying here is not like don't care about them anymore ignore them, don't look out for anything that, that is part of their well-being. In fact, for them, especially in their culture, family was everything. And if you were going to kind of live out something a little bit different, your family might really misunderstand you. They might get the wrong idea of what's going on. And Jesus says, you've got to be okay with that. This is just the reality of what we're all going into when we're sent. It's, it's perhaps a little bit easier for us to be like, yeah, I, I don't mind making my parents mad at me. Like, that's, I'm going to do what I want because we, we have a much more individualistic culture. So sometimes we ha we're, we're not as uncomfortable with saying like, yeah, that's fine. I can like Jesus more than, more than my parents or something like that. But maybe it's not parents for up. Maybe there's an ideological group, maybe a political persuasion, maybe some other kind of thing or social group that we strongly identify with. And, and we take that as saying, Ooh, I, I don't want to like mess this relationship up. I don't want to mess this social network up. I don't want to have a bad name in this place. And whatever that group is for you, you can substitute in for family in, in, this, in this space. What Jesus is saying is your loyalty can't belong to anyone else but me, he says. Your, your loyalty at the end of the day, you've got to be willing to lay down all those other things. And Jesus says this is a huge part of what it means to be sent without an agenda, all those things that I think are helpful, all those things that I think are good for me in my life, these things that I think are calming, and they might be even helpful to a certain extent, he's saying, you gotta let it go. You gotta let it go if you're gonna be sent by me. 
You have to be willing to separate from that group or those things or those people and give your love and loyalty first to Jesus. So this is what he says is like, this, this is a hard call. Is this, does this seem easy to you? Because it doesn't seem easy to me. This seems hard. It seems like Jesus is asking a lot of us. He's impinging on my rights, as a, right? It's Independence Day weekend. Like it's impinging on my rights as an American. He can't tell me what to do like that. But we're giving that up when we say yes to following Jesus. And we're saying, Jesus, you have something so much better to offer us. And so we're willing to follow you. So, so he says, you're going to be sent. It's going to require that you lay everything else down. In fact, the last thing he says before the passage I read, he says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life up for me, you'll actually find it. And so he's saying, listen, I know you think you need to hold on to these things to have the life that you want. But trust me, it's lying to you. It's an illusion. Let it all die and cling to me. Carry the cross that I have invited you to carry because you will find life. And so this is a heavy call. He said, people are going to call you names. In this whole passage, we read it sometime, a whole of chapter 10. People are going to call you names. You're going to be persecuted, so get ready to run, he says. Prepare to run to the next town when they persecute you in another town. He says, everyone's going to hate you. Don't worry. They'll all hate you. Encouraging words from Jesus. You feel encouraged yet? You're going to stand trial before kings and rulers because you've disrupted the status quo in the towns and the cities that you visit. And they're going to be very suspicious of you. You know, Roman uh, governors often would write to the emperor and be like, we don't know what to do with these Christians. We think something's wrong, but they are the best, most law-abiding, peaceful citizens. And so we don't know what to do with them, but they won't bow down to the emperor. They won't worship the civil gods of, of the civil religion. And they have these weird meals where everyone, whether they're slave or wealthy, they're all included together and they're all equals. They call each other brother and sister. So there must be a problem here. So we're just going to kill them. But they're like, but we can't find any fault in them. They're the most helpful citizens in the community. It was very confusing. It disrupted everything. And Jesus adds on to this is all the stuff that you're going to face as I send you. You're going to lose friends sometimes. You're going to lose connection to family. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. And then on top of that, he says, by the way, don't bring any financial provision and don't even bring an extra change of clothes. Just trust that I'm going to take care of you. Like, if I'm going to be persecuted and running from town to town, at least let me bring some deodorant. And he's like, no, don't. Just trust me. I'm going to take care of you. I have uh, know of a, a church that I've, I've had some... Uh, connection with over the years and they're over in the UK and they uh, do this thing with their their young adult uh, ministry school that they have there they disciple them and what they do is they will drop them in uh, another country on the European continent and and they give them like 50 50 pounds or whatever uh, or 50 euros and and they say uh, we'll we'll be back in touch with you in five days trust what God's doing and ask the Holy Spirit to, to lead you where he wants to lead you. I'm like, I feel like I'd get sued for that if I did something like that. But, but they, they're trying to literally take this literally and say, okay, if Jesus really says we can trust him, how do we trust him? 
How do we follow him? How do we practice this? And they didn't live their whole lives out this way, but they needed this season of training and experience and this, this level of intensity of not taking their clo- extra clothes or financial provision. And, and it all comes back to the point, you can't even trust or have loyalty in your financial provision or your material possessions. You need to have your loyalty only in me and trust me alone. So this is the context of what it means to be sent purely. How many of you are ready to sign up to be sent now? That's hard. I, 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 I think I've said this before, like, don't follow Jesus. Like, it's hard. But if you want to find life, take up your cross and follow him. So this is the environment that Jesus is setting up for them. But, but here's what he says also in the midst of this. In the midst of this, it's not all just gloom and doom and, hey, this is just going to be miserable. Good luck. He says in the midst of all of this, he says stuff like this. You don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. He also says, when you go before those rulers and kings, remember, these are like uneducated fishermen for the most part. Going up against the elites of the elites of their day. And he says, don't worry. When you're there, the spirit himself is going to give you the words to say. And then out of all of that, he leaves them with this final bit of reassurance. Anyone who receives you is receiving the father. And if you receive a prophet, he's laying out the principle of this. If you receive a prophet, someone who's there to speak about God, to give the good news of God, then, then that person's gonna be given the reward of a prophet. And if, and if you receive a righteous person, just anyone who's a righteous person being faithful to Jesus, then that person's going to receive the righteous person's reward. Doesn't even say if they pray the sinner's prayer or something, just if they accept them and invite them in, show them hospitality. And then he says this, If you give a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, that's all of us. Just anyone. If you just, in in the name of Jesus, give that follower of Jesus a cup of water, you're going to be rewarded. And the whole point of this is this, is that it's because I am with this person. I'm with you. As you are sent, Jesus is present with you intentionally, leading you. And whatever they do for a follower of Jesus, it's as if they have done it for Jesus himself. So I want you to think about what we were talking about at the beginning, representing Jesus, yes? You are, this isn't just like an idea of like, I want to represent Jesus in terms of how I speak or what I say. It's so much more than what we say. You are literally carrying the presence of Jesus because whoever receives you is receiving Jesus. We could just end right there. Think, what does that mean? Just think about that for a second. Have you ever thought about the fact that you are literally standing in for Jesus? 
in every 4th of July party that you go to this weekend. You are there standing in for Jesus. What does it look like to stand in for Jesus? Jamie, I kind of want to pick on you for a second. I'm sorry. I love you, buddy. Uh, you told me this story once about this, this thing that you do for your friends when they go out partying. And, and you know what? He, he, he automatically says, I'm gonna be your designated driver because I want you to get home safe. Now, here's what's profound about that. Now, you, you, you just do this because you want them to be safe and you love your friends. But what he could do is say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. And there might be times where they ask him, Jamie, do you think we should be doing this? And he can be like, no, I don't. I don't think it's safe for you. I don't think it's healthy for you. But in the meantime, I'm gonna make sure you get home safe. Jimmy, you realize every time you're driving your friends home in your car, you are standing in that space for Jesus. That's pretty cool. Yeah, does, does he want them to stop? Does he want them to settle down a little? For sure. But what would Jesus we say, what would Jesus do, right? The old thing. But what would Jesus do if he were me? How would he behave? Not, what he, not, not, not often is it what would he say, but it's quite more often, how would Jesus behave? What would his posture be in this situation? And, and so having this kind of loving Posture of forgiveness, being a non-anxious presence, being a listener, letting your own transformative experience with Jesus just kind of be on display, uh, being an advocate for justice and for mercy for people in your life, people that you meet, people you come in contact with, getting your friends home safely because they drank too much. These kinds of things. These are postures that will help us faithfully witness to the power of Christ's work in a way that's beautiful and compelling. It's not coercive. It's not condescending. And we need ways of representing Jesus where we are standing in for Jesus. We need ways of doing that that are compelling and not coercive or condescending. So with that, just very, very briefly, because God is with you when you are in these spaces, just two truths, very simply, from what we just read here in verses 40 through 42. Because God's with you, you're gonna be rewarded. Now, that might sound weird to you. Has anyone ever taught you about the rewards that are yours because you follow Jesus? Maybe rewards for having a good quarter at work, but we don't really think about rewards for following Jesus. It's all over the Bible, all over scripture. And he says here, if someone who receives the prophet's gonna get the prophet's reward. Someone who receives a righteous person's gonna get the righteous person's reward. You realize that there are rewards that Jesus has for you and I.
I love Colossians 3, 23 to 24. It says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And he says this, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. Remember, he's gonna give you an inheritance as a reward. You are literally representing Jesus and he says, I am literally going to reward your faithfulness how you embody representing me in these spaces. Because God is with you, you will be rewarded. And then second, very simply, because God is with you, those who receive you will be rewarded too with the same reward you're gonna get. Now, I don't know how this works. I don't understand all the implications of it. But it's pretty clear that they're going to see God at work in you in some small way, some big way. It doesn't mean they say a sinner's prayer right there and show up in church on that Sunday. But there's something in even giving a cup of water to you to help you along your way of being faithful to Jesus. Something about that God sees and goes, I'm going to reward you too. Now, now here's the problem, though, is, is if you and I do not represent Jesus in the spaces that you and I are in, we actually will deprive people of the opportunity to receive those rewards. Because you, you don't, they're not receiving you and getting a reward at like your cashier at ShopRite or something. That you're there, you're, there's a financial exchange. They're not there receiving you because you're following Jesus. They're there receiving you because you're paying money to ShopRite. I think about, we use Peloton as a, an example sometimes. Yeah, I know, the Florkowitz is just, they got on the Peloton train now. It's a sickness. Um, but the instructors on there, you know, it's helpful for workouts, but they'll tell me whenever I get on there, we're a family, we're all together. And I'm like, only if I keep paying my subscription. <laughs> like, it's kind of a family, but they're not there receiving me because I'm following Jesus. They're there receiving me because I keep paying a, a subscription. But if you can really put yourself in places where, in spaces where you are, what you are doing is representing Jesus in that space and people receive you on those terms, you've just opened up the possibility for them to receive the reward that you're gonna receive for being faithful. Do you want to allow people that opportunity? Maybe for you today, you just kind of need to get a, a, a sense from God that these rewards are actually good and important. Because if we think other rewards are more important, then we're just going to chase those rewards. Whatever reward is biggest in your mind is, is the carrot we're going to chase, for, for lack of a better way of putting that. Even if they just give you a cup of water, don't knock it. You know, someone someone you might get the opportunity to pray for them or you might get the opportunity to share a little bit about, well, this change that you're seeing in my life is because of Jesus. And they go, oh, that's interesting. And they chat for like two minutes about it and, and they're hospitable towards that and then you never have another conversation with them again, again about it. They help you out a little bit along the way. 
maybe offer you some kind of connection to someone or something, or they find a little bit of favor, some small thing, but they never end up following Jesus or showing up in church or that thing where you're like, man, it didn't happen. It's like they just offered you a cup of water though. There's something that God's doing through you in their life, just through that interaction. Again, we don't understand it, but Jesus does. So because God's with you, those who you're present with and representing Jesus among, they're gonna get rewarded too. But only if you put yourself out there in that way, don't deprive people of that opportunity. And the other thing is don't believe the lie that you have nothing to offer people. Sometimes there's the, if I don't know how to prove this or say it the right way or give them the, the theological truth or explain it a certain way they'll understand, then, then it's just not gonna work. And it's so little of this is about the words we say, as I've already been saying, and so much more about how we embody the love of Jesus to others. How we don't get bogged down in the arguments, in the gossip mill, in, in the rumors. How we stay away from that stuff and say, actually, that sounds like it's not helpful to the person that's not in the room. Maybe we should go directly to them. And they're going to be like, man, you're spoiling the party. Who cares? You're representing Jesus. You don't even have to mention the name of Jesus to be that kind of person. You have so much more to offer because God is with you than you realize. Even just being a non-anxious presence in a space that can be perhaps full of anxiety. So I just wanna clarify two things here. We've got because God is with you, you'll be rewarded. Because God is with you, those who receive you will be rewarded. I just wanna, uh, sorry, Bob, I made Bob do a little bit of pro presenter dancing there this morning. Um, I want to go just back to a couple things because I want to make two clarifications as we, as we close. Are you all with me? I want to make two clarifications that are really important when we think about being sent into the world. Um, a few clarifications. Uh, whenever we, we talk about being sent into the world, especially in the Western church context in the United States and in Europe, the language that often gets associated with that is something akin to, this is, I'm just gonna use like very kind of extreme language, but you'll, you'll get the gist a little bit. The idea of we need to take back our neighborhood or our country for Jesus or something. You ever hear that language get employed Whenever you're like, we need to be sent out there because we need to get Jesus back in society or we need to do all the, am, am I resonating? You guys know what I'm talking about, okay? So this language, I want to just clarify, is, is actually a really unhelpful posture for us when we are being present with our friends. I'm gonna, I'll pick on Jamie again, I'm sorry. Uh, it's a, it's, it, I love that when you shared that with me. I thought that was so cool. Um, when, when, imagine he goes into that space and he's like, I, I, I'm sent here. Like, these people have to know what's right. And if he goes in, guns blazing, saying, you gotta knock this off, he's gonna totally kill the relationship and he's not gonna actually have the opportunity to do what he does right now, which is actually embody the love of Jesus to them. And, and so when we, when we have a posture that kind of thinks from kind of the old Western worldview of like, everyone should know this, we're all in a, this is a Christian society, 
right? That, which is kind of historically what the Western world has been. If we kind of try and do this kind of Jesus thing and be sent from that posture, it's gonna come off often as coercive and militant or condescending and it won't demonstrate a compelling life. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so that's really important for us to remember. And, and, and related to that, uh, we'll break it down just a little bit further. Um, I want you to consider as you go into these spaces uh, that, uh, I'm gonna use the term, uh, we, we went, Christians went from being privileged to uh, being what we're calling pl- uh, in a pluralized culture. Here's what that means, and here's why I'm telling you this right at the end of this message, because this is important. Uh, often, the language right now that gets used is the church and Christians are being persecuted. Um, there is sometimes hostility towards Christians in our country, but a more accurate description of what we're experiencing is Christians have moved from a very privileged place in society to now it's a very pluralistic culture. People have a lot of options is what that means. They don't have to choose a Christian church. They could choose any other religion and they could choose materialism. They could choose Peloton as their new religion. They can choose, they can choose all sorts of things. Here's my point is, is there's a lot of possibilities for people, but what has happened at times is we confuse that with persecution. Does that make sense to you? Okay. I, I, you know, I have friends and, and know people that are in persecuted countries. We can talk about what real persecution looks like. Um, what we have here is just we're not experiencing privilege like we used to. It's, the church is not in a prominent place. Pastors and clergy, we feel this a lot. We're not asked into the big conversations in towns and in states and in society like we were. But what I'm going to suggest is that not being in that place and not thinking we're in that place is actually good for us because of the second thing. We can learn how to bless our communities from the margins of society, not from the center of society. And that has traditionally and historically actually been a really healthy space for the church to operate in. We're not going to get into the historical lectures right now, although I really want to. Um, but I'm going to behave this morning. Uh, the goal is, like I said, not to retake society, but to have this posture of having a loving witness from the margins. Not this top-down, hey, you need to behave differently, but let me actually live differently and let you be invited into something that's incredibly compelling. Incredibly compelling. And when we do that, because we are confident beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is with us, that the spirit of God himself is at work in our conversations around our July 4th barbecues, that our posture of someone said listening and just genuinely being interested in someone's story, as we really engage that with people, God is at work. Trust that God is actually there in the midst of that. As you're getting your friends home safely at the end of the night because they were really dumb again, Trust that God is at work in the middle of that space and be in a posture of loving people from the margins and give them a compelling life. So as you're at your July 4th gatherings, as you're at cookouts and stuff throughout the summer, our our summer party challenge is you have and host your own parties to to be with your friends who don't know Jesus. I wanna just give you a few quick application 
points as we close. One, before the party starts or before you get out of the car, pray. Just ask the Holy Spirit to show you how he's meeting with people. We were, we were with some friends yesterday and we were both, uh, some individual there just shared about, just it was so like just off the cuff on the side, something going on in their life. It's just given us an opportunity, a little bit of insight into that person's life, how to love them, how to pray for them. Little things like that, but we gotta be paying attention to the Holy Spirit saying, pay attention to that. Pray for that person. Follow up with that person. Next time you see them at something, see how it's going. It's an opportunity. Just pray for God to make you a non-anxious presence in that space. Be genuinely curious. Some of you said this already about people's lives and their stories. Be a good listener. Learn how to ask good questions. Be the person who just likes to ask good questions and really be genuinely curious about other people's lives. And then when you leave after the party, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit how you're supposed to pray into the stories and the things you heard in people's lives. If there's something that stands out to you, say, God, I know you're at work here. You were present with me as I was sent into this space. Show me. Show me how you want me to continue to follow up with this person or show me how to continue to pray for this person or God, give me some kind of open door to love them further and serve them further. How cool would your summer barbecues, your July 4th weekend celebrations be if not only you're there at the party, but God is at the party because you're sent there. And he's reaching people. And not only are you receiving your reward for being faithful to Jesus in those spaces, but people have the opportunity to receive him through you. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.